This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. For the cheeseheads who want it fresh, and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral, this is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Packs with She Said podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Maggie J. Loney, not joined by Perry Goldstein this week because she is taking a much-deserved, much-needed vacation, which means that I got to call up one of my longest Packer friends uh, to hop on and help me out this week, Jacob Westendorf of Packer Central through Sports Illustrated. Jacob, how are you? Thanks so much for joining me this week. It's good to be back. I'm trying to, I think the first show we did together was post combine in 2019. So that would have been the year that Rashawn Gary has a brand new contract extension now. So that was the same year of the combine that, that he ran in. Um, we were talking some Dalton Reisner and Ja'Kai Polite who had like the worst combine ever, but yeah, it is. Uh, it's good to be here. It's always good to do these. Uh, I am nowhere near as good as Perry Goldstein at these things, but I will attempt to at least try and measure up. Nobody can, I can't even measure up to Barry Goldstein. So that is a, that's a fair take, but should be a fun one this week. Obviously we're going to talk Packers giants. Um, We'll talk about the playoff expectations, playoff picture, kind of what that looks like. But first wanted to quickly talk about some roster moves taking place for the Packers. Obviously they signed corner David long added Kenyon Drake to the practice squad, and then they cut James Robinson from the practice squad. So you are of course a known Michigan fan. David Long came out of Michigan in 2019. Do you have any maybe insight for people that aren't as familiar with him, what you think he could bring to the team, or do you think it's just kind of a buffer signing at this point? Uh, probably a buffer signing, but Bill Huber said, I thought pretty well that, you know, they're trying to catch the same lightning in a bottle that they did with Rasul Douglas. You know, Douglas was kind of a afterthought type of signing. And then it took us about 10 minutes to figure out, man, he's actually pretty good. And then he turned out to be kind of a star and endeared himself to green Bay to the point where, I mean, a lot of people, not just cause he was a good player, but you know, just endeared himself to the team and stuff. When he was traded, it was kind of like a gut punch to, to the fan base. But for David long, uh, he's a man coverage corner or he played mostly almost all man coverage under Don Brown at Michigan. That was a, like, I think they played zone like twice total the entire season. So it wasn't a whole lot on that front. Um, he's done some stuff with the Rams. He was a late third round pick. Uh, so maybe the Packers are f- starting to feel a little frisky with Tucker Craft and Sean Ryan starting to feel a little better. And not only do they want their third round picks, they want some other teams too. I'm interested at least to see if, you know, I mean, they're one rolled ankle away from, I don't even know who's in the back of the corner room, like off the top of my head at this point. It's it's been incredible to watch this defense still be able to keep teams off the scoreboard with Carrington Valentine and Corey Valentine. Nothing against those two guys and Keyshawn Nixon. Those three guys, nothing against any of them, but seventh round pick, practice squad guy, and not a priority free agent are their three starting corners at the moment. And this is a group that had champagne problems, as Joe Barry called it, with Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, and Rasul Douglas potentially in the same secondary. No such luck there. 
Yeah, so Eric Stokes looks like he may be coming back. We haven't seen the injury report yet for this week with the Packers obviously playing on Monday night, but was designated a return, so at least seems like they could get him back for this kind of playoff push. Robert Rochelle is also in that room, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, But curious your thoughts. I, I quote you all the time saying you've never known anybody that had a bad back. Once you have a bad back, you have it. Do you have any long-term concerns about Jair? Do you think, what do you think is the lingering issue there with him? Is it more the shoulder now, or do you think this is just a precaution to try and get him up to full health? Yeah. So the, the B writers were like surprised when they found out he wasn't going to play uh, because he was, so the whole week he was limited and then he kept um, saying he was going to talk on Friday or he was going to, they said he was going to have availability Friday. I don't quite know how that went. And then he didn't talk, which was the first kind of red flag a little bit. Uh, the back injury thing, obviously, Lafleur basically he said when he was asked at the beginning, he's like, "Well, it's a back," so which is basically saying the same thing uh, that you just said there. But I don't know. Um, it's a concern. He's a smaller guy in general. He had some injury issues when he was at Louisville, which knocked him down some teams' boards, and he kind of plays a reckless balls to the wall style, for lack of better phrasing. So that's a tough thing to have on there. That's kind of why when he came into the league, he was a really good run defender and he kind of became less of one. I don't know if that's a byproduct of some of the injuries he's had, if they've told him like, Hey, maybe not so much on some of that stuff, but it's a concern uh, because what I think he's played five games this season. uh, And it feels like anytime he gets back on track, he's out. I don't think he's played two consecutive games since the beginning of the season. So that's a concern too. And the, you know, the reality is as much as we've enjoyed this Packers run, your best players are the ones who win the biggest games. And as frustrated as you might be with Alexander, not being able to play, he's one of their best players. He's an all pro corner. And, you know, down the stretch here, they're going to face nobody in Carolina, but Tampa Bay, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. I'd probably want Jair Alexander for that. Justin Jefferson. You might've heard of him. They play them in a couple of weeks and then DJ Moore there to close out the season. There's some guys that are coming through here and, you know, nothing against, the guys I mentioned earlier in the secondary, but they're not Jair Alexander. That's why you gave him all that money. So yeah, there's definitely a concern there. I just don't know. I haven't been able and nobody that I've really talked to or that nobody that, you know, does the, does the stuff more on a full-time basis has really been able to figure out like, what's the deal. Is it just a lingering issue that won't go away? Are they trying to be cautious? Cause they've done that in the past. Right. But it's a little different to be cautious when you're 13 and one instead of six and six. And like, you know, they drop this game here or there that might matter as to whether they make the playoffs or not. Yeah, it really sounded like they they expected him to be back for that Chargers game. And then kind of a last minute decision, the inactive list came out and he was on there and it was like, okay, maybe they're saving him for Detroit. It's a division game, makes more sense to keep him healthy. AFC opponent doesn't matter as much. Then he didn't play in Detroit and you're like, okay, now you've got this like mini buy here to get healthy for the Chiefs. And they have football, it's a big one. And then he didn't play again. So hopefully, you know, we get some some more news on that front. Hopefully... The guys we mentioned are able to come back. Eric Stokes, I think, would make an impact as well. Be nice to see him out there. Um, but let's talk about this game then coming up. Monday Night Football Packers, of course, traveling to the Giants. A Giants team that is four and eight. <laughs> However you want to feel about them, getting some wins under Tommy DeVito. Uh, they're on a two-game win streak just coming off of their bye which is, of course, helpful for that team to get some rest, but not exactly world beaters sitting at the bottom of a very tough division. Any, I guess, opening thoughts before we kind of dive into this one? Uh, 
last year they played Minnesota in the playoffs and we all kind of called that the fraud bowl, right? Like these are the two teams that are not as good as their record where it was. And then they went to the divisional round against Philadelphia and you heard some of the talking heads be like, well, you know, maybe the giants can make a run at this. And then they lost 38 to seven and it was like, okay, never mind. Like that was never actually going to be a thing. And then they paid Daniel Jones all that money and tried to add around him. And this was the danger that we kind of talked about with Jordan Love specifically. Now, Jordan Love has shown more, in my opinion, than Daniel Jones ever has. And I'm sure we'll get to that at some point here as well. But the the issue with paying a below average quarterback a lot of money based on the fact that your team won a bunch of games the previous year, that's a tough pill for them to swallow. And then now he's injured. So Daniel Jones, not very good. Tyrod Taylor, worse. Tommy DeVito, probably worse than that. This game, to me, the opening thoughts as simple as make sure 26 doesn't run for 250 yards and you should win. It should be that simple. But, you know, I'll defend Joe Barry a little bit for some of his stuff, but his defensive style is to kind of let teams do that. Like, we're okay if you run for a bunch of yards. That can't be, in my opinion, the strategy against this really bad Giants offense, like really bad Giants offense. Yeah, let's let's start there because, I mean, you said it, bad offense, 31st in the league in points for 31st in red uh, for in third downs, I should say, struggling in the red zone, 31st in the red zone as well. So just not putting up a ton of points. I don't think they have anybody, uh, any receiver over 500 yards, which isn't necessarily the metric considering the Packers are kind of a – you know, an offense by committee at this point as well. But uh, Saquon Barkley has five total touchdowns and then Isaiah Hodgins has two and then nobody else in their receiving core has more than one score this season, which is really weird to think about. So really, you know, you, you kind of outlined it. There's a lot of big playmakers coming up down the stretch for this Packers defense. And really the only one that they'll be seeing on Monday night is Barkley. Yeah, Saquon is as good as it gets. Uh, you can't really be a game wrecker, I guess, at running back, but he's the closest thing to it. Uh, every time he touches it, he's a, he's a threat to score. They've got a couple guys. Jalen Hyatt has that deep, deep speed that people fell in love with around draft time. He hasn't exactly gotten on track. That could be a byproduct of the quarterback. Darren Waller has been somebody – he was a big acquisition and a former Packers target. They thought they traded for him like two separate times. So <laughs> that's incredible that you know to see him kind of play against Green Bay at this point. But – yeah, I mean, and the biggest thing on them is their offensive line is putrid. Uh, I mean, they're yeah. if the pat like we say it every week, if Green Bay could get into obvious passing situations, their front can do some damage, and their front has over the last two games. They have six sacks. Lucas Van Ness finally got to the quarterback again on on Sunday night, which was nice to see. Rashawn Gary is Rashawn Gary. Preston Smith looks like not quite the prime version of himself that Green Bay got when they signed him of four years, but he's a very serviceable, good player. Kenny Clark is wrecking people. Um, I expect this front to dominate Monday night's game because it's a good matchup for them and they should. And, you know, Kansas city's offensive line is not very good. Uh, Detroit's is they dominated Detroit's front, in my opinion, and they played very well against Kansas City's, even moving Mahomes off of the spot a little bit. This is worse. Uh, whatever the, whatever the giants think they're throwing out there and, and DeVito can move around a little bit, but not really. I mean, two quarterbacks have gotten hurt behind this offensive line. That's usually, I mean, it's not necessarily the greatest measure of how good an offensive line is guys getting hurt, but you know, the more a guy gets hit, the more chance there is of something bad happening. 
That's what happened to Jones. That's what happened to Tyro Taylor. And now, you know, DeVito's back there. This should be a game that Green Bay's defense dominates. Now, they should have dominated against Pittsburgh. I don't think Pittsburgh's offense is very good. And Pittsburgh ran for 200-plus yards and scored 23 points against them. If the Giants score 23 points on Monday night, that's a disappointment. Uh, I think that, you know, this is a game where Green Bay should kind of flex its muscles a little bit and be like, you know, 31-7, and we are here, and we're making a run to the playoffs kind of thing. But young team, off, and we'll get to the defense stuff when the Giants get there. But I don't know. I mean, we always kept saying it'll be a roller coaster, right? Well, this is the high. (laughs) And usually there's probably another low coming. I can't imagine that being against the Giants, but it could. I don't know how, but it could. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a hard, you know, everybody now has expectations of the playoffs. Matt LaFleur even said it, like you have to take it one game at a time because you can't, people are starting to circle this game on their calendar, right? In the the beginning of the season, we all had certain expectations for where this team would be. Um, ad nauseum, you know, you could take shots every time on this podcast. We said it was an evaluation year, but really that was the goal, right? As you wanted to see who long-term, if Jordan Love was the guy, if certain pieces on your team were going to be part of that long-term foundational rebuild, then the Packers started getting good. And it's like, hold up, wait a second. <laughs> Maybe this quote unquote rebuild is happening a little bit quicker than we thought. And we expected there to be growing pains for the Packers offense, but we always kind of said, the Packers defense was going to need to do enough to keep them in close games. And now we're seeing, of course, the flip side of that is that the Packers offense is starting to be able to score some points, which was a struggle in most of the season. But you listed it already, right? This is the Giants offense or an O-line that gave up 69 sacks already this season, which is just absurd. I think it's like 10 more than the next team in the NFL. So, um, and you said at the edge rush, three sacks against some homes tied for his most sacked game all season. So, it should be a game where the Packers can come in and make their presence felt. But again, echoing your point, Packers run defense is still not what it should be, which sometimes is okay. You know, it still helped the Chiefs to make them a little bit more one-dimensional with their pass catchers. But you can't let Saquon take over the game, which is kind of unfortunately what we saw last year in London too. So I don't know. I expect I expect a, a better showing from this defense though. Yeah, the nice part will be, I mean, say what you will about Daniel Jones, but he can move a little bit, and he's a, he's a pretty solid runner. Uh, DeVito's not that. You know, he played, what, four years at Syracuse and one year at Illinois. I think he was one of them grad transfer COVID year type players when he was in college, and he move a little bit, but not, not to the effect that Daniel Jones can. And the good news for Green Bay is their pocket pushers. Mm-hmm. And last year when they played in London – it was Kenny Clark and note with all due respect to Dean Lowry and Jaron Reed, those Reed wasn't having a good season at that point in the year. And Lowry didn't have much left at that point. Now Devonte Wyatt annoys the living hell out of me, but he's a, <laughs> he's a good pass rusher. Uh, Carl Brooks might be the second best defensive lineman on the team right now. TJ Slayton is, is a big time uh, player in that. Well, I don't want to say big time player, but he's done well over that point. You know, the, at this point, the only guy on the field that you're like isn't making any sort of impact like at all is Kobe Wood. He's a fourth round rookie, so yeah. you kind of expect that at this point. But the Packers have those guys that are pocket pushers, and they've done more stuff with like Lucas Van Ness's hand in the ground and getting some more guys on the field to push the pocket and play some games with the pass rush that way too. So I think they have more tools in the belt, so to speak, to go up against this version of the Giants offense. And again, you know, Daniel Jones 
for his faults is better than the quarterbacks that they'll be facing on Monday. So they don't have much of a threat in the passing game. So this is one of those, if I could sit in the defensive meeting rooms, I'd be telling Joe Barry, like it's okay to like risk getting beat over the top. Cause I don't think they can do it. Yeah. I think that's a fair point. Let's talk about um, since we're kind of on this, on the Packers defense right now, healthy and available. What do you like for your safety room? We saw it with Darnell Savage coming back. It didn't seem like Rudy Ford played as much. I think they still kind of looked Jonathan Owens, Anthony Johnson Jr. I thought played really well in his, you know, limited looks, but of course being a seventh round rookie, he was not going to get that seat over guys like Ford and Savage when they're healthy. So what is your, I guess your secondary as a whole, assuming Jair isn't playing, what, what are you liking right now from them? Yeah, Savage and Owens, I think, is the crew that's back there. I know John or uh, Anthony Johnson is the is the popular name on the Twitterverse, and that's understandable. He's done some really nice things when he's played, but Owens has been a guy that the the defensive staff, Matt Lafleur, everybody's been like effusive in their praise about him. Uh, you know, it's not just a cool story because he's married to Simone Biles. Like he's been a legitimately <laughs> good player for them, especially over the last couple of weeks. And Savage. Savage is never going to be the player that we thought and hoped he would be, especially after the 2020 season. But there's at least some semblance of playmaking there. And I think that's possible. You know, this kind of bumps Rudy Ford back into core special teamer, which in turn helps a special teams unit that's not very good, uh, which is disappointing for a variety of reasons. And Anthony Johnson just gives him an opportunity. You know, as much as we like a few things here or there, he's – He's learning on the fly and he's a seventh round pick. That's a, that's a rookie. So how much can you really expect from something like that? Those are the guys there. If I can get Alexander back, that'd be great. Otherwise I think the crew that you've seen out there, Valentine, I think has done very well. Corey Valentine, who, you know, for a practice squad corner, I mean, the Packers pass defense has done a pretty solid job over the last, what, six weeks or something like, I mean, it's been pretty good there. And then Keyshawn Nixon, I think is finally starting to, make me look a little smarter for some of the predictions I had at the beginning of the season. <laughs> he was my pick as the breakout player on defense. And the first part of the year did not go very well. And then he had arguably the biggest play of the game on Sunday night against the chiefs. So that was nice to see him catching it. He loves it here too. That is, that is such a nice thing to see. He absolutely. I told him that he looks a lot better in green Bay than, than he does in Las Vegas. And he said, I think so too, or something to that effect. So he loves it in green Bay. I think this is a guy who, Ideally, you probably don't want him to be your nickel corner as a preferred starter, but if he can be your dime back and return kickoffs and punts and do some gadget stuff on offense and everything, culture guy in the locker room, core special team guy in the locker room, stuff like that too. But those are the guys that you have. Now, if you can get Alexander and Stokes back, then you know, you're talking not champagne problems, but I kind of like the idea of having those kinds of problems again. <laughs> I don't know what you'd call it if it wasn't champagne. Like, Costco wine problems. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> probably a good bet. Not the best, but it it's cost effective and it gets the job done. Um, let's switch. Let's switch a little bit then and talk about the Packers' offense, which has missed Keyshawn Nixon. That was a fun little wrinkle they did one time all season and then never did it again. Looking for that maybe to come back in the playoffs, but we'll talk about the playoffs in just a little bit here. Giants defense uh, plus five in turnover differential, so they are good at taking the ball away couple guys with multiple picks on the team so um thoughts going into that obviously they have a really atrocious run defense which historically would be good for the Packers we've talked about them having a get right game on offense in the run game all year 
haven't really done that. Although I thought that AJ Dillon had a really nice game against the Chiefs on Sunday night. So 4.6 yards per carry to running backs, four or 6.3 yards to opposing quarterbacks when they allow them to scramble, which is the worst in the NFL for the Giants. So what are your keys to success for the Packers offense going into Monday? Yeah, and Jordan Love certainly has that ability uh, that we've talked about to to make some plays outside of the pocket. So that's a nice thing, too, if he needs to have the ability to take off a run, although it seems like his preference, I remember, I think it was the, it was one of the first down throws to Wicks, I think, in the red zone, where, like, as soon as he dropped, it was like, oh, he's got an option to run. But Love is starting, and it's kind of an encouraging thing, in my opinion, is beating defenses with his brain. He's being yeah. decisive and knowing where to go with the ball at a given time. But the biggest thing, and I think one of the bigger reasons, is, you know, Rasheed Walker is not, David Bakhtiari, there aren't many that are. And that's not saying a whole heck of a lot. But Josh Myers kind of became a meme after everybody said he was playing the best football of his career. He's playing better. And the protection as a whole has been better. And that was the tough part in the early portions of the season was when the Packers would face these teams, like with it started with this run in week four against Aiden Hutchinson and, and that Lions front, and they just ate him alive. Max Crosby and all that crew in Las Vegas, same thing. Denver, not as much, but then they kind of got into some other guys. The turning point really came when they didn't let Aaron Donald destroy them, uh, which Aaron Donald's certainly capable of doing. Uh, the Giants got a guy like that too, and his name's Kayvon Thibodeau. He's uh, out of Oregon, same draft class as Hutchinson and Trayvon Walker. I still can't figure out for the life of me how the Jaguars took Walker and not one of those other two guys, but that's another question for another day. The big thing is starting with blocking him. And, you know, it's it's the old uh, adage of I've never seen a quarterback complete a pass on his back. You know, it's the uh, Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase meme. There's nobody standing in front of him and he gets hit, so he can't really throw it to him and that kind of stuff. So it really starts with blocking them, and it's the Giants. So, you know, the Giants, it seems like they always have a pass rusher like that kind of guy. Uh, and you mentioned as far as a get-right game in their run defense and, and everything like that, I just – to me, the Packers run game just kind of is what it is. It is what know. it is, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do, what they're going to find. Even when Aaron Jones is healthy, the run game is just kind of, can you get me three? Get me five on a good down? You know, stuff like that. You know, the Patrick Taylor one was kind of a thing of deception, which <laughs> do you have a good answer for why the hell he didn't run out of bounds? I, I, I genuinely think he was told not to. I think I that in nine out of 10 situations, you run out of bounds. But with Patrick Mahomes, you're like, let's just keep burning clock and settle for what we settle for. Interesting. Okay. I don't agree with it, but I can see why they would. They would if that was what they said, I don't agree with it, but whatever. I It just seems like he had too many opportunities to step out of bounds that he like intentionally stayed in that I don't see him doing that like without someone in his ear telling him to have done that. Right. And part of his thing is like he's – He's not the most, the biggest, the fastest, most explosive, but he's smart. That's supposed to be one mm -hmm. of his things. So I can't imagine, like you said, he just made two bonehead plays in a row for, for no reason. But that's your answer. And then Jordan Love, eight touchdowns, no picks during this three-game winning streak. Yeah. That has been a huge factor in Green Bay success. And the Packers, you know, they don't – I've said this about a thousand different times this season. They don't have the margin for error that they used to have, as well as Jordan Love and the offense is playing. This isn't the same crew that, you know, Aaron Rodgers was lining up and saying when Aaron was out there, you knew like they got a good chance to score 30. Well, Green Bay's only done that once this season, and it was week one against Chicago. So that was a very long time ago. And maybe they'll get there at this at some point, but you know, they haven't gotten there yet. Love taking care close. of the 
They've been close. They have. They have. <laughs> if the kicker could make his kicks, then they would have scored 30 against Detroit. But that is mm-hmm. not how that worked. Uh, I should – Andres Carlson earned his name after a 48-yard field goal on Sunday night to at least give them a chance to not lose in regulation. So good for Anders. But taking care of the ball has been, been paramount. You know, when Green Bay doesn't take care of the ball and Jordan Love's been throwing the ball to the other team and they haven't lost a ton of fumbles. It's really just been interceptions. They've lost, uh, you know, the last game that they lost, love through two picks. Now you can put an asterisk next to one of them because it was pretty obviously a desperation heave at the end of the game. Those don't count in my opinion, the same as some others might, but those are, you know, can you block them and can you keep the ball out of harm's way? Like I said, they got a couple guys back there with, with a couple interceptions and the capability to, to ruin some games for the offense. And this is the way the giants are going to score too. You give them short fields. You know, not to sound too much like probably what Joe Barry is saying in his locker room, but I don't think the Giants can drive 80 yards down the field without making a mistake. Yeah. Uh, Dexter Lawrence also, somebody I wanted to mention, Kayvon Thibodeau, of course, but I loved Dexter Lawrence coming out of the draft, and obviously that was a long time ago at this point, but still playing at a high level there for the Giants, despite also being in that 2019 draft class. Um, Yeah, I agree with you. I want to talk about this young receiving core because we talked about going into the season you know Christian Watson Romeo Dobbs your receiver one and two second year players right huge expectations for some really young guys Jaden Reed second round pick how much could you really expect out of him in his rookie season really unfortunate Luke Musgrave injury but this receiving core there were growing pains obviously one of the things I said on this show was that the Packers offense you know it was so self-inflicted that they made the easy things look hard and the hard things were impossible. They're at the point now where the easy things seem pretty easy and they're kind of doing some hard things and they're making the hard things not look all that hard. So what, I guess, let me start by asking you what your season prediction was, your, your record, and how do you feel about this Packers offense now at just in general, despite all the injuries and the hurdles they've had to overcome? Yeah, I thought they would go eight and nine. Um, okay. Some of the teams on the schedule, I think, ended up a little worse than than I thought they would. Oddly enough, this week's game against the Giants was the one where I was like, every year it seems like the Packers have a what the hell loss. Like, how the hell did you lose that game kind of thing? Um, I guess you could argue that's the Raiders with Josh McDaniels now. Mm-hmm. Like, at the end of the year, we'll probably look back at that one. But I don't think they're losing this game. Um by the middle point of the year, I had them going six and eleven. After seeing that was shortly after the the four game losing streak they were mired in and losing to Minnesota and all that sort of stuff. But I am trying not to drink the Kool Aid too much because I know the downs <laughs> are coming. But I mean, you look at the schedule; they're better than the Giants, they're better than the Bucks, and they play the Bucks at home. The Panthers are the worst team in the NFL. Minnesota on the road, but. Who knows? And then Chicago is one of the worst teams in the NFL too. Like they should in theory win all five of these games. Now, do I think they're going to do that? No. Um, don't ask me which one I think they're going to drop. Cause I have really have no idea, but I mean, it's hard to like, like you said, the expectations now coming into the season, it was whatever happens. Cool. As long as we have a definitive answer on the quarterback one way or the other, he's good. And that's our guy or he's bad. And we're getting a new one like right now. Well, not only have they figured that out, Jordan Love is good and he's their guy for the future. And I'm comfortable saying that. I've been one of Love's biggest skeptics and I'm comfortable saying that. And now the expectation is the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Like that should be the way that it is. And that's a good thing. 
you know, as much as I said, it was kind of refreshing to come into a season without expecting anything kind of sucks. Didn't last long. Didn't <laughs> yeah, last long. <laughs> no. And that's a good thing, right? Like I'd rather have the quote unquote burden of, you know, what is it? Pressure is a privilege or whatever saying athletes like to use all the time. Like it's a good thing. You want the Packers and your favorite team to have the expectation of, Oh yeah, we're good. And we're going to be good because that means you probably are pretty good. Uh, so yeah, my expectation is at least 10. You know, can they get to 10 wins? And that would be a massive success. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> it looks like the same old boogeyman is the one that would be staring them down at the seventh seed <laughs> is having to go to San Francisco again and play the 49ers, which maybe that's maybe this is how they break that curse. Jordan Love does what Aaron Rodgers never could and beats them in the play. That's probably not going to happen. But <laughs> hey, man, who knows? You get into a playoff game, it's kind of like that thing of, you know, they're too young to know any better. They don't know. So maybe not. But I'm excited. The offense has grown quite a bit. I'm bummed that Christian Watson finally started to look like the player we all expected him to be. And then his hamstring just grabbed on him and the guy's body just simply betrays him is it's unfortunate at this point. So hopefully he's not out for too, too long. Cause I think, I don't know how you feel about this. I think green Bay's offense for the last two years has proven to be at its best when it runs through him. I mean, I think yes and no. I, when they use him the way that he's should be used. Yes. But when he was just running go routes, then it was right. one, one trick pony. But yeah, when, when he met LaFleur is like in his bag, like we saw against the chiefs. Absolutely. And I mean, I love Romeo Dobbs. I have Romeo Dobbs Jersey. He could be wide receiver one, but I think what makes this Packers offense so good is the fact that they don't necessarily need to have a true wide receiver one at this point. Jaden Reed maybe could be the guy in a couple of years. I think it still is Christian Watson. I think it will be Christian Watson, especially with the way that they're all ascending. But the fact that they have three receivers with five or more touchdowns going into the season, I don't know if we would have expected that. And then to also get immediate contributions from like Dontavian Wicks. Don't think we saw him having a big contribution in year one. So the way that some of those guys are performing as role players is also really exciting to see. Luke Musgrave, obviously we mentioned it, really unfortunate to have the injury that he did. But it's exciting to see more Tucker Craft because, you know, I think you and others on Twitter have talked about breaking that third round curse, right, of the Packers not actually hitting on a third round pick. So before we wrap up, I do want to talk to you about the playoff picture. Obviously, you have a very special Eagles jersey behind you. You, your father, was a huge Eagles fan. So let's talk about this NFC playoff picture here. Obviously, the Eagles sitting in first place at this point. Who do you see rounding out the wild card spots? How do you see this shaken out? And who are your favorites right now in the NFC to actually go all the way? So I think San Francisco is going to end up as the one seed because I think Dallas is going to beat Philadelphia on Sunday. Um, the Eagles are in the midst of what they called like the gauntlet, which was San Francisco, Buffalo, Dallas twice, and Kansas City. And they, rough, yeah. yeah, and they won like the first four of those or something like that. And then they got smoked by the by the Niners on Sunday. And I mean, I I guess I shouldn't say I expected it because I didn't expect that. But the Eagles had just come off of a game where they played like 100 snaps or something like that on defense. So I expected San Francisco to win. And I think Dallas at home is really good. Um, I hate that I have a soft spot for the Cowboys because of Mike McCarthy. I know. I do too, though. And kind of to some degree, Dak Prescott too. Like, I feel like Prescott, when he came into the league, everybody crowned him and then like he didn't deserve that. And now people act like he's Daniel Jones and he's really good. Like he's one of the, he's an MVP candidate. He might be the league MVP if the season ended today. 
Uh, but I still think Philadelphia wins the division. And if San Francisco gets the one seed, that means Philly gets the two and Green Bay gets the seven. And do you think, the- though, do you really think Green Bay gets the seven? Or do you think because there's an also a world where they get the six? There is. Uh, and the, oh, man, that's in, that game against Minnesota might decide that. I uh, Yeah. Ultimately, like the Rams are another team that I think are. And I know Green Bay has the tiebreaker over them, but the Rams with Stafford, like they just have a, a little more high end talent than Green Bay has right now. Um, I think it's pretty set that the five seed is going to be the loser of the NFC East. Yeah. Uh, Cause that'll sure. be like a three or four game, three or four loss team. Packers already have six, obviously. So that's not going to happen. The six seed as of right now is Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And then Green Bay is in at the seven. Uh, Minnesota Seattle, doesn't have a quarterback <laughs> that we yeah, know. Of. Yeah. And that's the part like Josh Dobbs, it feels like is turning into a pumpkin. Um, if he hasn't already, they just lost to Chicago and, like one of the worst football games I ever watched from start to finish, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but they do get Justin Jefferson back. Maybe that gives them a spark. Their defense has been smoking mirrors enough this year to make some things interesting for them. Uh, to me, I think it's going to end up being the Rams and the Packers. And it's just a matter of if they finish with the same record, obviously green Bay gets that tiebreaker, which the Rams probably feel like why that game of all games for Brett Rippon to have to play, but that turns <laughs> out to be the one. Um, you know, the other, the, the four, like the five seed to me, that's the, that's the seed you want because that is the NFC South winner and the, whoever that team is, is not very good. Uh, otherwise I think you want that six seed because if you're the, well, if you're the two seed or the seven seed, then obviously you're getting one of San Francisco, Dallas, or Philadelphia. And those are the three best teams in the NFC. You can order. I think San Francisco's one. You prove yeah. Dallas and Philly, however you want after that. I think all three of those teams could beat each other, but the three seed it's a playoff game in Detroit. And I can see that being a hostile environment because it's the first time they've had a home playoff game in 8,000 years or however long ago it was. They last had one roughly 8,000, something like that. Yes. Jesus Christ himself might've gone to that. <laughs> attended that's, how long, <laughs> that's how long ago that it was. Um, that being said, Green Bay's already done that. You know, Thanksgiving Day on national television is as close to a playoff atmosphere that Detroit's going to get between, you know, now and the actual playoffs. Plus, Jared Goff in the playoffs, hit or miss. You know, he's been, he's had some really good ones. He's had some not as good ones. But nonetheless, if you can finesse it and get it to the point where you're the six, you'd rather play at Ford Field than at Texas Stadium, Lincoln Financial, or whatever they call the 49ers Stadium these days plus the Packers in general just match up better with Detroit than they yeah. do any of those three other those three other teams so I think Green Bay gets in it's just a matter of can they get enough to finish ahead of uh the Rams to where they don't they either have the same record or are one better the good news is the Rams play the 49ers one more time at least so you got to feel good about but the Rams have done well against San Francisco. So or I think actually that's the other way around. San Francisco has beaten them every time except for that one NFC title game. So the biggest one goes to the Rams. But yeah, I expect Green Bay to get in. Seattle, Minnesota, um, you know, you, you mentioned Minnesota's quarterback problems. Seattle is banged up all over the place. Um, Geno Smith is playing injured. Kenneth Walker, who's on my fantasy team that nobody cares about, is injured. Uh, and they're kind of smoky and mirrory from that standpoint, too. Um, should have beaten Dallas last week and they didn't, that would have been a big one for them, but now they face, I think they play San Francisco again this week. So that's not a good spot for them to be in either. 
Yeah, my my fantasy team that no one cares about started the year with Aaron Rodgers and Nick Chubb, so it's been uh, <laughs> it's been tough sledding. But yeah. before we before we wrap, uh, really quick, just any final thoughts on Monday Night Football, and then your score prediction for this week. Uh, Monday Night Football is fun. I haven't, you know, that used to be the thing when I was a kid. Was if you were playing the Monday Night game, that was the marquee game. Now they've kind of done Sunday Night Football for that. It's a little nostalgic because Buck and Aikman, like the happiest Packers game I've ever watched, was. Buck and Aikman on the mic for Super Bowl 45. So I enjoy those two together. Aikman, I'll forgive the fact that I hated him in the 90s, and that's fine. <laughs> Buck, I think, is the best in the business. So I enjoy listening to them. Um, are you a Manning cast girl, or do you watch the regular broadcast? Sometimes I'll put on Manning cast, depending on how bad the game is. But most of the time, I'm regular broadcast. And for yeah. the Packers, I obviously will be regular broadcast. See, I wish that Peyton and Eli, like the the draw to them is just those two riffing together. I wish they would leave the guests out of it, but you got to keep things interesting, I guess. Uh, nonetheless, it's cool. I enjoy watching the Packers on Monday night. Um, it is on my wife's birthday this year, so that kind of <laughs> sucked a little bit that that fell that way. But she, I don't know when she sleeps, but uh, she'll be asleep at that point, I hope, for, for that particular game. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it, and I – you wanted a score prediction, uh, 31 to 10. Like, like I said, I think this giants team stinks and I think green Bay is maybe we might have the argument that they're peaking too early or whatever, but I think they're peaking if you will. Um, I don't know that it's going to matter too terribly much this particular week that Christian Watson, I doubt is going to play. Uh, I think they'll be able to to do enough with the offense. Tucker craft has started to make some plays. I got a story coming out about that on Friday, which Thanks. I'm looking forward to writing. Um, you know, it's just been kind of cool to watch these young guys grow up. And after Kansas city, which is the best defense they face this season, everything else kind of has to feel like gravy. It's just a matter of, you know, can wink Martindale trick Jordan love in a way that Steve Spagnolo couldn't, I don't know that he can. So, and not only that with that personnel, I don't know that even if he does, that it'll matter that much. So I like green Bay and I like him big. I was thinking like 28, 14. I like yours better. I really feel like green Bay is so close to that 30, but I don't know the the kicking woes. I I agree with you. Anders has stepped up in big moments these last couple of weeks, but just a little bit too inconsistent to fully rely on you know a field goal to to take them over that thirty. But Jacob, thank you so much. This was so fun. I always love getting the chat football with you. Please, before I wrap the show, tell everyone listening where they can find all of your excellent work. Yeah, so I don't have Instagram, so <laughs> don't even worry about that. Uh, Twitter, you can follow me. I am at Jacob Westendorf. And yeah, Packers Central, uh, SA.com slash NFL slash Packers. I write twice a week during the week and then twice on Sundays. I'll do uh, like a awards-based article and then I grade each phase of the team. So they've been getting a lot of high marks the last couple of weeks. And Matt LaFleur, we didn't even talk about him, but I think LaFleur has gotten an A in each of my last three uh, stories that I've written. So I think that's been deserving. He, in my opinion, should be, he probably should have already won a coach of the year at some point. He should be a coach of the year candidate. If not the winner this particular season, there's not one that springs to mind immediately. And I'm sure there is one. It just doesn't hit, but, uh, that's, that's kind of how I write. That's what I do. And then whatever springs to mind for, for the inspiration, but yeah, check us out there. Bill's awesome. He writes like 10 articles a day. So there's plenty of information in there as well. Yeah, Bill must drink a lot of coffee. But thank you, of course, for joining me this week. Perry will be back next week. We'll be out on Tuesday to recap, hopefully, another Packers win. You can find the podcast on Twitter at PWSS Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. 
find the podcast on all of your other social platforms at PAX, which she said, thank you as always for following along with us on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe if you don't already. And anywhere you're listening in the audio format, we appreciate those downloads and likes there as well. Thank you as always for listening to the show and go Pack Go.